In February, we as a nation turn to the groundhog to tell us about the arrival of spring. But birders know that the real messengers of the changing season live in the sky. Birds that leave the Great Lakes for the winter will be returning soon. There's plenty to prepare for and more than a few birds to check out while we wait. Well, winter is a time, of course, when uh, many of the more colorful birds are, are no longer here and not in their mating plumage. But I believe Michigan has something like 25 species of birds that stick around uh, for the winter. And there's quite a bit to see, you know, since the birds are constantly out looking for food. And, you know, they're The leaves aren't out, so you don't have that obstructing your view. Uh, And at the bird feeder, you're going to get a lot of action. April Campbell is a birder of long experience, also a retired MD and the founder of BIPOC Birders of Michigan. I'm April Baer. Today, what to keep your eyes and ears out for as birds return for spring. some of the species that that you most expect to see in these months? Well, the chickadee, of course, is a a very common uh, and faithful visitor to your bird feeder. Very much Um, so. And the downy uh, woodpeckers also Mm -hmm. show up. Um, The red-bellied woodpecker, every year I have one. It's a resident in my neighborhood, and uh, it's the bully of the of the bird feeder, uh, but beautiful. Let's see what else do I have? Oh, uh, crows, although not as many uh, this year, and I'm not sure if that's due to uh, avian influenza. Uh, titmouse is also a regular visitor. Uh, white-breasted uh, nuthatch also regular, uh, and then of course you have the usual house sparrows and the uh, European starling, uh, which many birders hate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, okay, they're a little, uh, they're, they, they have a personality, let us say. They do. <laughs> there are some birders who only put out seed and feed for birds only during the winter months. Is that your MO? Yes, I pretty much stop feeding them. Sometime around uh, April, unless the weather is very unsettled because by that time there's usually enough out for them to eat. Although who knows this year because the fruit crop, I'm not sure what's going to happen with that because we have not had a lot of cold weather and fruit uh, trees, fruit shrubs, I have a lot of those in my yard, uh, require what is known as chill hours. And in Michigan, it's typically between 800 and 1300 chill hours, uh, temperature between about 35 to 45 degrees. And I'm not sure we're making that. And what can happen is you may not get the fruit crop that you would ordinarily get, or they'll break bud early and be killed off by a frost. So it's a little concerning. I'm not sure what the food it's going to be like this spring. I so appreciate the fact that you have a dual focus on gardening and birds, knowing a little bit about the food sources, too. Have you noticed anything about the unseasonably warm temperatures and the effect that they're having on birds right now? Well, I noticed that some birds that I don't usually see uh, are showing up early. 
several weeks ago, I had grackles in my arm, which was pretty darn early. And I also have, um, now they're singing in the yard, blackbirds um, um, are are back. Red-winged blackbirds. Red-winged blackbirds, yes. But some birds, yes, are showing up early. It could be they didn't actually go as far south Mm-hmm. as they ordinarily would have, and so now they seem to be showing up early when, in fact, they didn't really go that far to begin with. Right. Yeah. Are there reasons to vary the foods that, that we offer birds uh, at the feeder during the winter time? Yes, because some, for instance, corn is not very nutritious. Oh, my birds actually. Someone said, "Wow, uh, um, uh, I need to live here. Your birds are fed more than I am." <laughs> but I feed them a mixture. Uh, I I obtain. Um, I, I go to the feed store, and I get um, peanuts out of the shell. I also get uh, safflower, and I chickadees. Mix- I know chickadees love those peanuts during the winter time. Oh, they all love those little peanuts. And it's funny to watch the birds get there and yeah. just they'll go like this to get everything else out of the way. Their heads moving back Their and forth. Their heads are moving yeah. back and forth. And they're like, no, I don't want that. I don't want that. <laughs> now, where's that peanut? Where's that peanut? I know it's in there. <laughs> right. I know it's in there. And, you know, the, the, it's always preferable. Um, the blackbirds aren't too keen on the safflower, whereas the other birds, like your morning doves and so forth, will eat that. And so one way of discouraging a lot of blackbirds is to put out a lot of safflower seed. But I found when they're hungry, they'll eat anything. They'll go, yeah, go for whatever. I mean, it, it's, it makes sense that something as high protein as a peanut would be a high value target for right. birds during the winter. So what do you consider the, the opening of the spring migration period? Is that something that you would, would expect to see in a normal season like in March or do some birds start showing up in late February? Um, well, late February is a little early, but it's not unheard of. And I'm seeing birds now. But yes, March. Uh, other birds, for instance, your shorebirds and so forth, actually move quite early. Um, and of course, a lot of it has to do with the food source. It's all about the food. Um, they're not going to move unless there's food. Uh, available. And they do know that birds uh, will actually adjust their migration times. And they they have a limited uh, space to do that because they have to get to their breeding grounds, get food, make a nest, mate. And they it's not like they have gobs of time to do that. So they don't have a lot of time to adjust, but they do adjust their migration depending on, on the weather because they have to be able to feed whenever they get. And that's one of the things that climate change is is, is starting to affect because it's not synchronized anymore. A lot of, uh, you know, the food source is either showing up later or much earlier yeah. and the birds are, are, are missing it. This is particularly true of the insect population. Right. You know, because insects need warmth to to show up and get going. And if it's not warm enough, I don't know if you remember last spring, we had a very cold spring. Oh, yes, I do. Yes. And um, uh, there wasn't a lot out there 
You know, I've heard a lot about insect species collapse, mm. and I wonder how that's affecting bird food sources either here or in their winter homes. Have you heard anything? Oh, yeah. It, it's a huge problem. Insects are one of my also one of my favorite topics. Well, it makes I, sense <laughs> given your gardening and bird proclivities. Um, for instance, in my garden, I don't spray at all. No pesticides are used. And I try to get my neighbors to do the same. Um, you know, we do have a, a lawn fetish in this country, and uh, there's a lot of spraying that goes on. And I've noticed over the years, a lot of insects have just outright disappeared. I used to see tiger beetles, for instance, in my yard. I haven't seen them in years. Wow. Um, beetles, moss, butterflies. Of course, the butterfly population has collapsed in a lot of areas. Uh, there's a lot of spraying for mosquitoes, which just like, you know, cockroaches and rats will probably be here long after we're gone, you know. But when they spray, a lot of the lawn companies now are spraying, you know, telling people, well, while I'm here doing your lawn, I'm going to spray for mosquitoes. And it's killing all the larvae of the good insects as well. So, uh, yes, the insectivores, your warblers and so forth, are going to be severely impacted by a lack of insects. And their populations go up and down. A lot of birds' populations go up and down depending on the caterpillar populations. Let's take a quick break. More about this season's bird watching in just a moment. Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Support for the stateside podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. Do you think that we should expect the timing of migration to be affected by El Nino this year? You know, that's always a tough one because... I, I don't think we have straight El Ninos anymore. Everything is complicated by climate change. Unseasonably warm temperatures. There it is again. Right. Yeah. And the currents in the oceans are, are being affected. Uh, so I think it's going to be harder and harder to predict migration patterns. And the other thing about migration, too, is a, a lot of it depends on birds having a place to stop over. Right. A lot of those places are disappearing. Water supply is another issue. Mm. Um, there are a lot of places uh, around the world where the water is drying up, Europe in particular. And these are vital stopover places that are disappearing, and that will also affect migration. I know that what you're talking about has to do with mass patterns of development, but can we talk a little bit about preparing our own living spaces for spring migration? 
I feel like it certainly can't hurt to have more habitable, hospitable yards and wild spaces. Uh, this is also the time of year when some people are starting to hear birds hit their windows. How do you how do you prepare your the environment we have around us? for birds that may be passing through. Yes, birds and windows, that's that's an issue. Um, well, at my house, for instance, um, my windows are covered with, well, one set of windows are covered with a parachute cord. They drop down at a spacing of about four inches, and they move slightly in the wind. And the birds can see that, the movement. But our eyes have adjusted to it. So when I look out those windows, I don't see those cords anymore. They've been there for years. I have not had one single bird strike Wow! after doing that. You can also get various types of tape uh, to, uh, there's one called uh, Kaleida tape that you can put on your windows. They've come up with all sorts of uh, ways to help people avoid uh, collisions in windows. Are there other things that birds who are migrating need other than to not run into your sure, house? Sure, they need food and they yeah. need water. Okay. Uh, my garden is messy. You know, nature abhors neatness. I do not do what is a lot of gardeners refer to as spring cleanup. It, putting or putting the garden to bed by by clearing out the beds. Right. I don't clear yeah. out. Uh-huh. Things I leave the dead foliage there uh, so that the birds can eat the seeds. And then later on when they come in, you know, there may be some more seeds for them to eat. They gather nesting material. It's places for the insects to hide and reproduce. Uh, so food is what water is also vital. Everything needs water. What kinds of things can you do to keep a normally frozen environment? I mean, are there there has to be some kind of heater you can yes, get to I put use, in a bird uh, bath. Yes, I use a little uh, bird bath heater I use. And the important thing about bird feeders and bird baths is that you keep them clean hmm. so that you're not transmitting diseases, right. helping to transmit diseases. Uh, and you can get these heaters. A, a lot of the feed stores sell them. Um, places like Wild Bird uh, Unlimited. And uh, when it starts to get warmer, I take them out, clean them up, and store them in my uh, garage. And I've had the same heater, God, close to 20 years. Wow. <laughs> well, um, do birds need shelter as they're migrating? Yes, they need shelter. I'm a big fan of wood piles. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow, that's pretty, that's pretty easy. <laughs> yes, it is. I formed a little wood pile in the back of my yard, and oh my goodness, the action that goes on in that wood pile. And the birds hang out there with the wind, and they hang out there to hide from the Cooper's hawks that come around. Uh, and they just sit there and rest, and the wood pile is an action spot. Wow. Are there plants that, I mean, I, I have thought so much about butterflies, but I don't know much about plants that might be more hospitable to birds, especially perhaps in the winter months. Mm-hmm. Well, the um, gold, American goldfinch is, is a seed eater, and I left my uh, Anna's hyssop plants up, and they make beautiful seed heads. And oh my God, 
those goldfinch were all they over. They look great it. all through the winter. Oh, yeah. yeah. They were all over it. They still feed on what's, what's left. Of course, I'm going to have a million Anna's hyssop babies <laughs> in my yard. Well, you know, a little culling never hurt anybody. <laughs> um, your hummingbirds, of course, you know, need, like, cardinal flowers. They love cardinal flowers. Blue flowers, not just red. They love blue flowers. Yeah. Uh, your salvias are a great source for them. So, you know, flowers are a source of the insects. For instance, I grow kale. <laughs> and a lot of people I know that grow kale say, oh, my kale stinks. It's got all these holes in it from the caterpillars. I said, mine don't, huh. because the birds eat them. Ah. The wrens in my yard, oh boy, they feast on those caterpillars. Do you think that it just takes a certain amount of critical mass for the birds to catch up with the caterpillars? Well, you'd be amazed how many caterpillars wrens can consume, and especially when they have babies. I sat and watched. I I have a nest box, and I sat there for two hours, and the parents went back and forth to that nest box, I think there were there were a total of four babies in there. A hundred and ten times. <laughs> Amazing. Incredible. That's like the most effective uh, effective use of kale I've ever heard, including that salad that we had at Thanksgiving last year. Yeah. And each time they came to the nest box, they had an insect in their bill. <laughs> Thank you so much for telling us uh, the secret of of uh, of getting of getting the kale to be as useful externally to us <laughs> as, it is, as it is internally. But yeah, I grow a lot of kale. I, but I my flowers, I've naturalized a lot of my flowers. Really, the only you know uh, non-native flowers I have are flowers that belong to my mother. Uh, some lilies, and but everything else is, is native, and it's just glorious to watch all the beautiful wasps and insects and the birds that alight on these flowers, and I just let them go grow into a splendid chaos, and it's, I could live out there all day. <laughs> with, the, with the proper coat. Yes, with the proper coat. <laughs> April Campbell, M.D., Emeritus is the founder of BIPOC Birders of Michigan and drops into stateside every once in a while to talk birding. Dr. Campbell, thank you so much. It's a pleasure as always. Same here. Nice to see you again. And that's the Stateside Podcast. I'm April Bear. You can find more stateside episodes at michiganpublic.org. Take a listen. If you like what you hear on the podcast, please do share it with a friend or leave us a review. Today's pod was produced by Mercedes Mejia. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Ronia Kabansag, and April Van Buren. Our intern is Olivia Meradian. Our podcast editor is Rachel Ishikawa. Our executive producer is Laura Weber Davis. Music for the pod comes from Blue Dot Sessions and from Audio Network. Thanks for listening. We'll catch up with you next week. Bye-bye.
Hi, I'm Rebecca Williams. I'm Lester Graham. We've been working on a big project about Great Lakes birds called the Bird Connection. It will look at ducks and trumpeter swans. Egrets and herons. And piping plovers. Yes! We'll discuss what we've discovered at a Michigan Public Issues and Ale event. Including how some problems for birds are problems for people. It's at Arbor Brewing Company in Ypsilanti the evening of May 21st at 7. You can register at michiganpublic.org.